Welcome to the Legendarium. I would love it if we could do like a little uh, fanfic Tinder on our website or something. <laughs> Swipe right. <laughs> so I'm, that's this. good. <laughs> Well, Todd just called us a foursome, so let's uh, let's go ahead and fire up the microphones and start on that note. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am Craig Hanks, and uh, well, I guess we'll start with him. He's as he's as hungry as a hippo, and coincidentally gets slapped around a lot by little girls. It's Todd Winty. But they slap me around in love. Um, oh, uh, sweet Moses! You uh, didn't just say that. Yes, right. I did. Oh. <sighs> And he's the living, breathing personification of Comic Sans. It's Ken Johnson. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I was going to ask, if, are we the fearsome foursome? <sighs> Trademark Los Angeles Rams? I don't know. And he's the perfect person to read Sanderson stories because when his mind is blown, it doesn't even mess up his hair. It's Ryan <laughs> Bruckman. It's because it's all disappearing. Yeah, <laughs> <That's anyway. true. laughs> all right. Uh, wow. That started on a rambunctious note. Uh, today we're talking Shadows for Silence in the Forests of Hell. Which we just is wanted to set the tones for Forests of Hell. With right, exactly. Yes, it's a, it's a very dark and dour tale of, uh, well, I don't know what that emotion was that we just put out there, but it wasn't the same thing. <laughs> Comic Sans. That uh, uncomfortable uh, feeling you have in the, in the back of your neck and in the pit of your stomach after hearing what we just said. That's kind of the field of this story. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That nicely said. We'll, uh, Good recovery. Right. So we'll get there in just a moment. Uh, very quickly, a reminder, patreon.com slash legendarium. Please go there and support the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who has supported us so far and continues to throughout uh, each episode that we make. Uh, we do try to make them good but uh i know sometimes we fail and that's why i say a dollar is good enough (laughs) a dollar per episode is good enough um we have just a tiny tiny fraction of those who listen to the podcast are giving uh anything to it and so for those we thank you and for those who aren't uh, we would appreciate it if you would consider that go to the page check out what we're trying to do and uh and donate if you feel so inclined just think of us as the hobos on the street that you talk to about geek stuff. You'd give them a yeah, dollar anyway. Give them a dollar right. and they'll go away. <laughs> right. And uh, you don't have to deal with the stink. Um, I do want to mention for those who do listen every week, um, there we started the giveaway last week. We are not continuing that. That is a Wheel of Time giveaway. And so you will not get a word of the day today on this episode. Uh, that'll come up in future uh, episodes I, I mentioned that, but the word of the day, I think, starts next week, and then we'll go ahead and continue on that with the the Wheel of Time episode. So that's coming up. It's going to be a Wheel of Time giveaway. Uh, listen for that. And lastly, spoiler alert, um, it's not a very long story, so if you haven't read Shadows for Silence in the Forest of Hell, go read it. It'll take you about an hour, hour and a half to get through the entire thing, yeah. uh, depending on how fast you read, and it's a lot of fun. But you'll want to read it before you listen to this because we're about to spoil everything. And I don't care what we say about this because blanket spoiler alert. There, that's off my chest. Done. Good? I like it. All right. Uh, Let's do a quick synopsis and then get moving on this one. Silence Montaigne is an innkeeper in the dangerous, dangerous forests outside the relative safety of the forts. Everyone on her world is a refugee and has been chased from their home onto a more dangerous continent by an unknown and unnamed evil. Now they live in fear of shades, ghosts who are generally passive but can be whipped into a frenzy by someone breaking one of the three laws. Do not kindle a flame, do not shed blood, and do not run at night. The moment these rules are introduced, one thing is abundantly clear. They will all be broken by story's end. Because Silence and her daughter, William Ann, are bounty hunters on the trail of a notorious murderer and his gang. Can they catch and kill five men without running or fire or shedding blood? Of course not! And so the story gets pretty wild as Silence navigates gangs, betrayals, and the no longer terribly passive shades to collect her bounty and protect her daughter. And that's it. So, Todd, what did you think of Shadows for Silence in the Forests of Hell? I really enjoyed the story, mostly because it was new. Uh, it, it was it was new pieces for Brandon Sanderson's mm-hmm. magic systems. Um, it wasn't a it, it wasn't a uh, a piece where 
the a previous magic system has been brought to bear and we get to see all of these things. It's another new one. I love it when he surprises me with new magic pieces, new ideas uh, about how to run it. At least for me, it was. Um, and so I, I really, I, that, that began my process of saying, ooh, silver, ooh, silver. So werewolves, wolfsbane, all of yep. these kinds of things. It was, And I think I would have enjoyed it just a little tiny bit more if I'd been reading it on October 31st while giving <laughs> out candy to little children and telling them, be careful of the shades, we'll get you. Right. All right. I, yeah, there was the, the bit about the, um, uh, the superstitious stuff that you're talking about, plus the puritanical names plus the 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 idea that most people live in forts uh, mm-hmm. and then montaigne i don't i don't think it's a coincidence that uh, montaigne is one letter short of montana uh, this idea with the puritans and then with you know the rockies and pushing further west this idea of the frontier and mm-hmm. these people live yep. on the frontier it feels very much like something out of about the 17th century or the 18th century, something yeah. like that, right? Very much a frontier horror story, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Uh, Ken, what did you think? Liked it a lot. I, I thought it was enjoyable. It it, it was uh, fun to see him take different, uh, what's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not tropes necessarily, but different aspects of, of horror stories, like like the silver, for example, you know, silver tip crossbows and and uh, shades and all of these things and, and kind of incorporate them in a different way because we've seen him do fantasy uh, quite a bit. But this is it, it was really a, a departure for from what he's done, you know, that we typically read yeah. in, in terms of fantasy. There wasn't as much of a magic system or anything. It's it's interesting the way that the Cosmere kind of plays in this without, you know, ingesting metals. I or feel like Cosmere is kind of an afterthought. I mean, I, I, I understand it was actually a, a beforethought when he was writing yes. the story, but, yes. but at the same time, like, yeah, he, he didn't really try to shoehorn a bunch of Cosmere stuff into a 20,000 word story. Or no, whatever and, it is. and that's a lot of the way seeing, it was, right? Do you guys remember seeing a piece of this story in Stormlight Archive? Uh, no, no. In Words of Radiance, uh, the Ghost Bloods, she goes in and he's got a collection of random artifacts that Brandon Sanderson lists out. And oh, one of sure. Them is a I remember dagger. that. Oh, a silver dagger? Oh. Silver dagger. Okay. Yeah. This is this is one of those things like that. It's that's one of those little connections you get to make when you've when you've gone through right. all of them. Um, I think the big point like that we've each made so far about this book about why one of the reasons why it's so enjoyable is that it. It, it breaks from that normal, like you've said. It's um, it fits under the genre of fantasy because just about everything that's fiction can. Yeah. Um, but it's m- better classified. I'm not sure if horror is the right term. I've been more inclined towards the word thriller for this one. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I n- I never felt scared as I was reading this. Certainly, there are moments where you're on the edge of your seat. And that yeah. would lend itself to the thriller you're talking about. That's kind of the feeling I got. Um, you, I guess there it could be classified when you're dealing, anytime you're dealing with ghosts and things like that, it technically could be a horror film because it has those, or a film, story. Uh, a horror story, just because it has those elements in it. But as a whole, it felt more of a thriller. But it's probably more thriller. thriller horror there. usually has an element of this is deliberately coming to get you type thing. And whereas a, a thriller like this is there are dangers everywhere. You just have to sidestep them, which is a lot of what this was interesting yeah. interesting perspective and uh the other one of the other things about this that i really enjoy that is also a bit of a a turn from not really sanderson but fantasy as a whole um this our lead here she's female she's a bounty hunter she's like she goes by she has what is it the white white fox, fox. White white fox. fox yeah. you know she there's there's that's a, my high school nickname by the way I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Ryan, was that his high school nickname? <laughs> <laughs> the White Something. Um, <laughs> I b- believe it was Whitehead. <laughs> um, <It's> not better. <laughs> like I said, Sanderson, Sanderson we we know he writes uh, strong female characters, but this character isn't some moral high ground character. Like, she's just a bounty right. hunter. Well, this was written for an anthology of... Uh, Called Dangerous Women, the Dangerous mm-hmm. Women anthology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, George R. R. Martin edited it, and or put and it if you if you read this, I I don't know if it was in the other any other editions. I kind of doubt it, but 
uh, I read it out of Arcanum Unbounded, mm-hmm. and there's a little postscript afterwards yeah. uh, where he kind of talks about uh, here's what I, here's why I wrote this story, and it was because he was invited to, and uh, and talked a little bit about um, uh, about the characters and the and his uh, it's raison d'etre, I guess, for uh, yeah. for this story, right? It's a great little postscript. I've really, I, in, in mentioning that, I just wanted to say really quickly. I think one of the most fun aspects of reading stuff out of the Arcanum Unbounded has been the postscript things that we found. We found that with the Emperor's Soul too, yep. and being given a, a glimpse uh, into where where some of this information was coming from, what he was thinking when he was including some of those pieces, has been really kind of fun for me. That's so, for me too. I just wanted to throw that. The in. name Silence found while doing family history, and then he takes it and says, "Hey, I've got an idea for this." What? And that that brings nice. up another question as far as investiture. And Ryan, you're obviously the foremost uh, Cosmere expert here on the podcast, and so I'd ask you. Uh, he mentioned Sanderson mentions in the foreword, I think, to this. Uh, he mentions that, or I guess it's uh, through what's the name of the character that's writing all of the uh, Arcanum Unbounded stuff? Uh, Chris. Chris, yes, Chris um, mentions that yes, investiture is happening, and that's what these shades are. These people, these are people who had investiture and then died and left an imprint on the world through that, like seeping through the cognitive realm or something. I mm-hmm. don't quite understand. Do you have a better handle on what these shades are and how investiture works in this world? I don't really think. So. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to give you any solid answer here because you covered most of what is understood about these shades. Um, I, I have a feeling that it's more along the lines of uh, what you said, that um, this is someone who has been displaced out of the cognitive realm. Think of like the Spren um, that, that live inside the cognitive realm in their, their form, and then they take another form outside of it. In the Imagine if okay. a Spren was entirely pulled out of the cognitive realm and left in, in another world without that, uh, that without other connection. Without something to focus them, yeah. Um, I could see, that's kind of my thought process here on that. Um, which would just mean that all of a sudden uh, investiture for them is missing one level of the three that normally you deal with. What uh, what three? What? Physical, cognitive, and, uh, spiritual. and spiritual. So you are all of a sudden missing one element of it. And so I, I don't know. I would think that because of that, because they're cognitive realm beings that are trapped in the physical realm, mm-hmm. that's why certain aspects of... Uh, certain aspects cause them to get enraged and be drawn to, drawn towards... Um, yeah them fire for what i'm not sure about fire for whatever reason that is but the shedding of blood the doing of harm those things um that's uh, i think that probably has like a cognitive realm connection that they are drawn to like i recognize this and you know i'm i'm trying to get back or whatever i'm, I'm not sure so it conjecture time um and if uh, if anybody's listening to this and isn't super familiar with the Cosmere, sorry, uh, <laughs> skip ahead, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. So you brought up the Spren, and there's uh, and I'm just I'm really spitballing here. I haven't thought about this, so I need you guys to help me out. But the idea is that a Spren exists in the cognitive realm as a, a fully formed and functional being and then it uh, it leaks into the physical realm somehow and without some sort of attachment to a person th- that provides it that investiture or whatever the I the nail I, bond for, for that, specific brand. Okay. So without that, it it's just kind of a, a drifting force. So Sill in the Stormlight Archive is kind of a uh, just a drifting windsprint. And then as she attaches to Kaladin, she gains cognition and purpose and all these things. I wonder if that could or will be carried through in this world where these shades, they just kind of exist, they float around. Uh, but then if someone were to somehow bond with one of them, that it would bring them more form and function. Does that make sense? Well, it, it almost happens at the end of the book. I mean, kind of. Not not to such an extent where, you know, right. Sophrina bonds to Kaladin, but she's got... Grandmother in the got closet. grandmother in the basement, <laughs> you know? So Okay, maybe this is more of a horror story than we're giving it credit for. Grandmother's <laughs> in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to let her out when we really need her. Yep. Which is one of those, like... When evil landlord is threatening to take the homestead, we're oh going to sit grandma on him. goodness. <laughs> Which I... The thing about that, like, it was telegraphed quite a bit in the story. Like, you knew mm. that that moment yeah. was coming. Yeah. But sure. it was still yeah. well done. But it was oh, still... Yeah, exactly. Sure. I, I loved that. And just... Yep, okay. There's it a gave difference. Me a, 
there's a difference between telegraphing. Sorry, I should get here. There's a difference between telegraphing in a way that you say, oh, come on, please get over with, get it over with already. And telegraphing in a way that says, oh, this is going to be. I knew it was coming. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be good. What's the word for that when you're setting something up ahead of time? Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Foreshadowing versus. We're we're good at talking about literature, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Foreshadowing. Yeah. You think we hadn't been doing this for almost three years? Oh, my God. have been. Uh, it has been uh, over three years, by the way. You and I started recording Lord of the Rings in December of 2013. Wow. Sweet this is, Moses. This wow. is becoming a relationship, 20, 20, not just a... Yeah. This is crazy. I like it. My word. I sometimes uh, like it. Anyway. <laughs> like any relationship. Well, speaking of speaking of literature, let's uh, let's back up, talk about the story a little bit instead of Cosmere stuff. And I'm happy to All go right. back to the Cosmere stuff, but... Uh, Tell me what you guys thought of the end. I I was um, as I was reading, they are okay. So they're running through the the woods and they're getting attacked. This is after the explosion and and all of the I keep wanting to say spren now. All the shades are their eyes are red and they're out for blood and they're gonna kill everybody. And so Silence is trying to carry her daughter through the woods and the daughter is like dead. Yeah, she's, she's like carrying this shriveled husk of her daughter through the woods, and I was so kind of compelled by that. I loved that bit, and I thought, what an ending, you know. And and then she's trying to get back to the cottage, and she basically gets she gets all shaded out, and and I I was really hoping that was where the story was going to end. Some for some reason mm. I thought. Wouldn't that be something if he just let his main characters die? This being a short story instead of, you know, trying to build these characters into something Stormlight style, you know, huge, sprawling story. What if he just let them die? Uh, but no, he kind of, yeah, the the girl gets injured, but ultimately survives almost wholly intact. And then yeah. the main character, Silence, is, is totally intact by the end. Uh, and then they get super rich off of that guy's of cave of bounty. bounties, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It was just kind of, kind of like wrapping the story up with a bow. And I, I wasn't sure that that fit. For me, with the rest of the story, you um, wanted the Rogue One ending. That's exactly what I was just thinking. <laughs> like, oh, the main characters all die. The end. Oh, or Hamlet, I guess we could go with that one too. So, but not everyone dies in Hamlet literature. <laughs> Whatever. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, you know, as far as we know, make it to make it safely. No, to they land. die. Well, they're actually <laughs> they're actually trapped in the cognitive realm. I, I learned that in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. So. This Horatio, is true. This Horatio is true. lives. There you go. <laughs> Maybe. No, but do you? Okay, so do you know what I mean? And does does anybody have an opinion on this? I liked it, and I'll tell you why I liked it. Um, because. When part of it is part of it is the function of a short story. Yeah. Um, short stories typically um, the the opportunity to to bring them together and to have everything end um, tied up with a bow, as we as as you said, um, that that medium lends itself to that a little bit easier in many ways than reality endings that I like I like to call them reality endings where there's there are icky truths that have to be dealt with. But the other reason that I really liked it is because. When when she ends when when she ends Theopolis with uh, by releasing Grandma and then gets Grandma back into the cupboard and hangs up the dagger and the crossbow bolt right we now have there's there's now an indication this is probably not the last time that she is going to be doing something of this nature that she will do something of this nature she's already plotting I'm gonna I've got to put some other pieces into place I've got to figure out a new way to be I've got to figure out somebody new to give my bounties to I got to come up with a new name I got to she's already started plotting for the next series of these and while maybe she's not a dark character she certainly is um, pragmatic utilitarian and this is this is not the ending of the carnage that grandmother is going to cause. I see this as the as the beautiful ending at the end of the first Amityville horror when they go away and the house is still intact and you know, you know, some other poor family is going to get suckered into this house at some point and they're going to release the evil again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Well, she works she works very well. I I have a hard time believing and I have zero to base this on, but I have a hard time believing when we come back to Threnody or to the Threnodyne system or, or whatever it's it's called, that that we see silence 
Montaigne, maybe we do, but she feels like a she feels like a table setter for this world. Yeah. In, in the here here's the example of what you're looking at for later. It's it's full of hard people. It's full of dangerous living. It's full of uh, real da- dangerous living with an apostrophe instead of a G because this is the country. Because it's the frontier. Because it's the frontier. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Because <laughs> I like. Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> train of thought, people. Train of thought. Words can words. Yes, exactly. So, but but she she sets a very good picture for just exactly how dangerous this world is, and we haven't seen the big epic evil. Yeah, we haven't on, seen evil. you know evil continent you know, over, over there yet. So, uh, that being said, I, I would have been okay with, I would have been okay with the story ending with her dying, you know, with her becoming a shade and now, and this shade haunts this way station. You could have still had a happy ending and a, a semi happy ending. Cause they talk about how, I believe it's, there's some rumor about her husband as a shade protecting the, the way, the way stop as well. Right. Um, you could have had a little moment there. Husband and wife protecting the way stop together. And and it's set up as a story. I mean, it starts out with Dagon telling this guy this story of the, the white fox. And then it ends with him wrapping up the story of the white fox. And in between, you have the actual white fox doing white foxy things. It's a woman, white foxy. Why not? <laughs> and, and, and so, I mean. Ken, it, stop explaining your jokes, man. Hush. All right. But anyway, my point in keeping with the thriller and keeping with the thrill aspect of the story, it could have ended with her becoming a shade and that would have been just fine. But I didn't have a problem with her wrapping up the story in a nice little bow. Yeah, I didn't have any issues with the end. I think you're right in the sense that it could have ended well um, if they'd ended a little bit earlier. But as a whole, the end is fine. Um, Yeah, I want uh, you guys want something else to watch for as you're reading the other books. So bad here. Yeah. Did you guys catch who Silence and her daughter pray to? Uh, was God it beyond it, ambition? Um, Amity. No, there was an Amity. Todd got it. But the God beyond. The God yes. beyond. That right. is not the first time we've heard the discussion of the God beyond. Um, we have heard it in uh, Wax and Wayne. Yes. Yes. Uh, Wayne uh, mentions the God beyond a few times. Um, I'm trying to think. There's there's a few other things, and Brendan Sanderson has come has come out and said, watch for mentions of the God Beyond in in these stories. Uh, there's more here. There's more to that. We have no idea who the God Beyond is, what the relationship is to um, Adam Nelson or anything else like that. But that's another one of those things that uh, this is probably the most clear discussion or the clear use of God Beyond that isn't just a passing mention there. Um, there are entire groups that worship the God beyond, obviously, and hmm. we don't know what that exactly entails. Um, but it's—I guarantee you—it's going to be a piece that you're going to need to know about at some point in time in the cosmos. <laughs> there will be a quiz, yes. <laughs> and you better have to get it right. Going to be hey, have to write an essay. I have a question for you guys. What did you What did you take away from the conversation that uh, that Silence and William Ann have about the difference between miracles and coincidence? Um, I mean, how long has that discussion been going on? Forever? Yeah. Right. A great but little I loved it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's really quick. I think I preferred that discussion as it happened in Signs. Okay. Because it, it was the same, same yeah. thing. Now, you can debate the merits of the movie Signs, and that's fine. Uh, but I liked that discussion quite a bit. When do you see a miracle, and when does stuff just happen? Yes. Um, I don't know. What do you? What, why do you bring it up? Uh, it's a it's a conversation that uh, that I've had with with many people, uh, religious and non-religious, uh, over over uh, many different kinds of, of situations. And for for me, um, as a as a religious person, the idea that there is um, that there is divinity at work. Uh, in in our lives is one that um, uh, while Neil deGrasse Tyson would probably call me uh, un- uh, unintellectual and uh, probably sad and pathetic, um, unenlightened I, I think is what he said when when we talked. He might he might use that word. Yeah. Yes, thank you for reminding me of that painful ex- experience. <laughs> um, I, for me, it is a it is a sense of it brings a sense of peace and of confidence. Um, I th- I find that. 
the, but the ability to have the conversation, I think, is one that I've encouraged uh, my family, my children, to have that kind of a conversation and to recognize that different people will see it differently, and that's okay. And I found the same kind of the the same kind of feeling in the conversation, and maybe it's because I choose to look at it that way in the in the conversation that William Ann and uh, Silence have when she gets to the point when she says, "Well, when will it not be a coincidence?" She says, "Well, when it's not a coincidence." Well, <laughs> if you're predisposed right? to like, see it as a coincidence, like it always will. I'll be. know it when I see it. Yeah, <laughs> and and thanks, so thanks, Congressman. You know, for 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 that for that conversation for that discussion, um, I liked the idea. Uh, I, I liked the approach. I liked the the um, engagement and the fact that it was not uh, it, it was not tinged with rebuke. Um, it wasn't it wasn't nasty. It wasn't condemnatory. It wasn't William Mann saying, "Mom, why aren't you more religious?" It mm-hmm. wasn't the mom saying, "Why don't you grow up and see things for what they really are?" It was a all right, well, if you choose to see it that way, that's fine, but don't the, stop it from doing the deed at hand. The other part of that conversation that I really enjoyed was uh, was why don't you believe in God anymore? And it turned into, it's not that I don't believe in God. I, I just, just don't, don't worship, worship the way that you do. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, th- I feel like that's a good thing to keep in mind um, for people who either are or are not religious in mm-hmm. real life. Um just because somebody doesn't do something the same way as you doesn't mean that they don't, it doesn't mean that you know how they feel or you can, you can say exactly how they feel about a certain subject. Right. Right. So anyway. And, and just because they do something a certain way doesn't invalidate the way you do it. There you no, go. Don't judge me based on your sins. <laughs> don't judge me because was I that, was that like uh, I feel like that's 30% of all Facebook memes that I see. <laughs> Pretty much. You can't judge me. That's the other 30. Yeah, there you go. The other 30? Yes. <laughs> Guys, we have in this episode alone, we have definitely showcased our skill in both mathematics and, and literature. literature. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone want to go for We uh, read we not only read good, we math good too. Just wait, science and history are coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we brought up Neil deGrasse Tyson, maybe we'll maybe we'll invite him on, take him on. Uh yeah, anyway. Uh, okay, other bullet points, things you guys want to talk about. Sabruki. Sabruki. Yeah, she's scary. Uh, that was um, that was one, what is it? Uh, yeah, it's, that's one Chekhov's gun that I feel a little disappointed didn't go off. It didn't get yep, fired, me did it? too. Yeah. Um, when when they're out in the forest and, and uh, the ghosts all go crazy because somebody shot the guy with a crossbow bolt and so he drew a little bit of blood and so they all go crazy i was like oh that had to be sabruki no, no. it wasn't uh, i was kind of disappointed well and there's there's something about when she says that uh that she's that sabruki's loaded the the crossbow by herself she was able to cock the crossbow by herself so it it feels like there's Maybe this is an investiture moment. I don't know, but there's something that that goes different for her when she is in this moment. And she said, and she was looking at her eyes; they were all they were all dark. Um, I'm I'm waiting for. I was waiting for something to come out and say. And Subruki has actually been possessed by and uh, the the shade of her mother, uh, or so, uh, because her mother gave her. Li- I, I'm I'm wondering where this piece of that's going to fit in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and then it doesn't. Yeah. And then we're left wondering, oh, in fact, she doesn't even mention Sabruki at the end. It's uh, I think she does. I mean, doesn't she? Yeah, she's like, oh, she just stayed asleep the whole time. She it, was upstairs, right. That's still right. drugged. Um, well, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so much for that one. And I, so it does leave me wondering, why did you have this character in there? Was it just as a delivery mechanism for that arrow to get lodged in the tree? Could you not have done that? some other way well it was it was also a vehicle to explain just how bad chesterton is because you know he killed her whole family oh there's that okay so, yeah but you could have but but you didn't need the the semi-possession moment in yeah. order to do any of those things no, you could you have really done that didn't. a different way and so i'm wondering if that semi-possession moment has something to do with the world that brandon sanderson is right built. if maybe he's he understands this is a short short story i what does he call it? long short fiction um, yeah, but yeah, is, maybe yeah. he's yeah maybe he's setting up future stories even if they don't involve these characters necessarily. 
But I don't know. Ryan, what do you think? The other thing, there's one other aspect to Sabruki that it's really more of a help to set up silence. Um, silence and her daughter have an interesting relationship, but it's not one that would really, um, until she's like carrying her, I wouldn't really showcase silence as having a, a really strong carrying side. Um, yeah, right. But with Sabruki and, and taking her in and, and, you know, being that, you know, she was, she's pretty stone cold in a lot of ways, but in this way and in, in caring for others that need help, she's not. Um, that's one way just to showcase it quickly and then give you that other piece there, um, to get the arrow out there. Um, but as a whole, like, yeah, it's, it seems like this is, there, there should have been more there with her. Um, would have been nice. Yeah. What about the hogs? Oh, only a savage would eat a pig or something o- like Only that. city folk would, only fort folk would eat, would be so... What does she say? I, I don't think there's much more to it than that it's a superstition. In this case, a, a quite legitimate superstition yeah. um, that the pigs keep away the They keep the, the shades away. So I, I don't know. I didn't get much out of it other than people in the city are soft because they don't have to worry so much about the shades. Yeah. Uh, I, they even let the shades roam around in their houses and stuff. Or... Not, not the city folk. The, no, the homesteaders. The, 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 the true, the yes. true country folk do. Yeah. So the reason, the reason that I asked the question about the hogs, I, I mean, I recognize that, that that's kind of a, a throw out there. But I also, my experience with Sanderson has been that he doesn't really do an awful lot with superstitions. When he mentions something, there's something going on with it. And so I'm wondering if, I, I'm wondering if that's a piece that is, that along with this little semi-possession moment of Sabruki are these things that are going to be fleshed out in greater detail yeah. when we get to stories about Threnody. Uh, Is that how you pronounce the name of the world? Threnody? Threnody. Threnody. What? Say it. Looks like Threnody to I'm, me. I'm always wrong when I say those names. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, when it comes to speculation on future Threnody material, I am going to be very dubious because at the very end of his postscript, he says... You'll see more of this world in the future, most likely, <laughs> which tells me, you know, in his mind, eh, you know, maybe I'll get to it, but maybe I won't. It's not like he has some grand plan for this world, right? I, I and think so this... I'm not, I'm not sure that I am going to buy into. Oh, it's all set up for his giant Threnody novel someday. No, I, don't I think that you're more inclined to see this planet, this piece, be a stopping, a stop point for someone like say we continue following Kelsier. Um, something like that, where right. it's it's part of a journey. It is not the focus of anything there. Um, so, you know, if he decides that you don't need to, we, he doesn't need to send someone there or pass someone through that area, then you know he Ooh. won't he won't bother with it. But that's it's you're right. It's not we're not going to get a a novel based on this this planet. Most likely, it's, al- it's already listed soon. as a yeah. It's already listed as a minor. Uh, it's a minor shard planet, anyway. So. Because there, there are no more shards here anyway. That that would be interesting to see Kelsier show up and get the uh, a picture of the shades from the cognitive side, and there are, you know. People. Oh, I when you said that, I was like, like he he stopped over to grab a selfie <laughs> so he, with some of the exactly shades. What I thought. Too. <laughs> hey. He stands there, just like snaps a quick photo, and all their light, their eyes all go red, <laughs> and he's like, peace. <laughs> well, okay. So, speaking of of this fitting into the cosmere, sorry, were you? No, I actually I was. I was going to bring up something that uh, that our friend Nick Jeter posted on the Legendary Facebook page. Speaking of which, if you don't follow us there, you really should. Most of it is just uh, us screwing around, but every once in a while we do put up some interesting stuff that you should know about. And one of them was a link to a, uh, a Reddit thread, a discussion thread, oh, talking about the possibility of other authors doing Cosmere stuff. I under love. under the supervision of Sanderson, of course. Right. Um, I'm I haven't teased out exactly how I feel about it, but uh, but hey, it could be interesting if uh, the, if he passed off these minor worlds to somebody else to flesh out. I love the idea. Yeah. Very much. Some of the names they but, came up with were interesting too, like Jim Butcher, for example, who something like like Shadows for Silence is right up. Jim that's Butcher's right up. Alley. That, yeah. That's right up his alley. That would be um, fun. But it, I, I could see it going a uh, kind of a Star Wars route. Star Wars before the prequels ever ruined our lives. Um, 
but the the novelizations that came out in the late oh, 80s and, and throughout yeah. the 90s yeah, yeah, yeah. that fleshed out the world and made it really really cool yeah it was a compelling universe and uh, and of course now before disney bought it d- well disney bought it shrunk it and and seems and intent it. on not not breaking out of our main little timeline that we have there so it's been a, it's been a differently well differently constructed world since then or differently constructed galaxy so well, well yeah but yeah. we're not talking about star wars i guess the point is just that it, it was an opportunity to let somebody else under the supervision of the creator of that universe to uh you know to to s- stretch its wings a bit let's hope it does let's hope that if that direction gets taken that cooler heads prevail and it doesn't turn out like the axe in our kerfuffle for the last year. The what? Uh, we can talk about it offline. Okay, all right, all right. If, if uh, Brandon, if you're listening and you're taking requests, though, Shannon Hale needs to write a Cosmere book. I mean, it's it's loaded with strong female characters and nobody writes strong female characters better than Shannon Hale. So there you go, Shannon Hale. I think to follow the simple rules, like you said, under the supervision of Brandon, uh, you may not, like the, the problem that you run into with that a little bit is... Uh, Making sure that they don't encroach into the larger Cosmere stories uh, elements. Like, he would almost have to give some people a, a deeper view of what's to come so they don't do anything. But, like, no, you may not write about Kaladin. No, you may not write about right. you know, Delar. Yeah. But if you want to come right. in and write about another homestead on, you know, Threnody or whatever, yeah, we can do that. Just here's the rules about Threnody that you need to know. Um, I would be totally fine with that. Yeah, I, I, one of my favorite things, yes, yes, be, and you just reminded me, one of my favorite things about the Star Wars novels is that they don't write, all, I mean, some of them do, but uh, it's not about Luke and Han and Leia all the time. So many of the novels and the comics and the video games, they're about these characters that lived thousands of years before any of that happened, and, and it it has... All, you know, almost nothing to do besides ripple effects with the main story that everybody's used to, but that's where you get stories about uh, Exarchon and, uh, I don't know, whoever else. Uh, Darth Revan. Yeah. And really great stuff. Yeah. I think Darth Plagueis. That, that time, taking that time element and stepping it out, as long as, it, even even stepping it too far back, though, you can really set ripples into future pieces. Oh, sure. Um, but... Yeah. But you get I, what I'm saying. I'm just talking yeah. about separation, not necessarily timeline per se. Yeah. Although I kind of disagree that so many of those books were outside of that, because I'm pretty sure just about every book that I read was because you had like the, the Thrawn trilogy and the courtship of Princess Leia, That's true. and you had plenty that was inside that same timeline. But it was just said it's not canon. That, that was the rule. That's not Cosmere canon. Like you could just say this isn't Cosmere canon. It's just a fun Cosmere story. Yeah. A fun story put in the none Cosmere. Of, none of this matters. Yeah. And then you go, okay, that's called fan fiction. And we've got all that all over the place. Because I guarantee you there's a ton of fan fiction out there about, you know. And I bet it's all really good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure. I, I love to make fun of fan fiction. I'm mostly joking. I have come across fan fiction I like. But let's be honest, most of it, not very good. So. And most of it written by Craig. You can send your fan fiction version for Craig to read and actually at I I podcast at gmail.com. If you if if somebody is looking for a place to house it, I would not be opposed to putting some stuff on our website if it's good. So if you yeah. feel like you've got something if Craig um, thinks it's good. It, that's right. I mean, we'd be the gatekeepers. If we could, we yeah. I would love it if we could do like a little uh, fanfic Tinder on our website or something. Swipe right. <laughs> so I'm that's good. <laughs> Swipe it one side or the other. Oh, you've got, yeah, you've got three paragraphs. Capture my attention. Ready, set, go. Go. Oh, man. And then, uh, oh, uh, what was that? Chat roulette. What if it was like chat roulette? And so every every little snippet of fan fiction is just going to be filthy dirty trying to get your attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were those? What were those stories that uh, everybody writes a paragraph or whatever, and then you hand it off to the next person? They have to build on. We can do. I don't com- know. I never went to girls camp. <laughs> Oh, yeah! Can smell the ozone on that one. <laughs> wow. Um, well played, Mr. Brockman. Well played. I'm gonna. I just. I just had to give. I had to zing one there. I'm gonna go over here now. <laughs> <laughs> Girls' camp is a great place, and it empowers women to do great things. Good job. <laughs>
I hate that humor nowadays has to be a, a, a uh, yeah. You have to, to put it. a little asterisk right. by every single joke you make, like about fan fiction or girls camp for that matter. Uh, all right, let's keep talking about this story. What else do you guys want to talk about? Anything uh, silver? Si- oh, okay. What about it? Oh, you, yes. Go ahead. The only reason I, I bring it up is because metals have had a, a place in this entire in all the Cosmere and everything, but it's odd because silver does not have, as we know, any sort of alimentic property. Right. Right. But it yeah. has an effect on these... Shades. These shades. I, I just thought that yeah. was interesting. I don't know what your thoughts were... Yeah, what, what thoughts you might have there because, like I said, there's no... No Maybe known alimentic silver usage. That's, yeah, no known alimentic properties, but what if um, it's just because on... What's the name of the Mistborn world? Scadrial. Scadrial. On Scadrial, there's no uh, there there's no contact with the cognitive realm to speak of yet, and mm. so they haven't figured out that the use of silver is about interacting with beings in the cognitive realm. I don't know. I'm I'm spitballing here. That's not a bad idea though, because you know as we as we as we saw moving through um, moving through Mistborn for a long time, ATM was thought to be only valuable for the Mistborn, but then we find out, oh no, that it has an application for other people uh, or for people who only have uh, abilities with Adium. Um, I, I think it's very possible that we would find that, yeah, the only reason that silver doesn't work is because there is no, there, there's the, that if you move to the cognitive realm, that then silver does become useful for you. Maybe that's, maybe Kelsier is going to come back and have well, use for silver along the what, way. What I think that there's potential that something could happen there. I, l- I'll read you this. This is in uh, um, an annotation on Mistborn that Brandon wrote here. Um, says, I've annotated this about this before, but I'd figured I'd mention it again. As you probably know, in book one, tin was originally silver. I swapped it out for various reasons. However, that left silver having no alimentic powers. That feels strange to a lot of people because of how common and useful it is in our modern culture. Such an obvious metal doing nothing seems wrong to readers. I toyed with using it in place of aluminum at the end of book one, but I realized that it wouldn't work. It was too common. So if it had any alimentic powers, people would know about them for certain. Only a metal that was very hard to find, like aluminum, would be believable as a new metal that most people hadn't heard of. So silver is alimentically inert. Just one of the quirks of the magic system. Like... And until the cognitive realm shows up on Scadrial. But it was, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, he probably wrote that before he ever came around to this story. And then, I I don't know. I, I, I know we're reaching for something here, any connection, but I, I don't have a problem making it and speculating about it. It is interesting, though, that in, in this case, it's about the interaction with the shades. It's not about ingesting and having power. It's the ingesting has healing power. It doesn't give you power over the shades. Silver is useful against what the shades are, what right. the shades do. So I wonder if it's more about what the shades are rather than about uh, rather than about a a person or a particular person. Maybe it doesn't require a, a snapping in order to be useful. Anybody can use it, um, and I th- I think there's some reference to that. That when she talks about the fact that her that the knife was the knife was uh, the knife that uh, uh, red. So read something. Read something was using was just steel, but then he got the silver, got the silver dagger and went around using it, and then she went and got it later on. He could use the silver dagger. She can use the silver dagger. Anybody can use it. Everybody mm-hmm. uses silver. It's because of the shades. It's something about the shades. I think it's interesting because if uh, it talks about it's like the silver dust and everything uh, they can use to, to ward them off. It can heal a, the touch of a shade. Um, and... And when mixed and ingested, it can heal significant damage from the shade because for all the damage that William Ann had gone through, she was able to get enough silver into and on her. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I thought it was I don't maybe maybe this is that moment for, you know, Brandon has written before and he wrote there and said that it's alimentically inert. And he's like, hey, you know what? I've got a metal that I'm not using for Mistborn. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do something with it here. Maybe yeah. this was his chance to, to make it do something and connect it to something there. Well, yeah. and in, in thriller slash horror, uh, you know, literature, silver is the is, is the cure again, or is the the, the, the war tool usually. against? And he, and he talks you know, all the time about how vampires. when he's gonna he's gonna write a story that's a little bit different. Um, he 
will try to keep a lot of things the same. And so, you know, when yeah. you read something like Mistborn, it, it shares a lot of characteristics with typical epic fantasy literature. And then he'll change one or two big things and a lot of little things just to make it, you know, spice it up, give it some flavor. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's maybe that's where that started. But I, I can't imagine that that he's not going to come across little things like that and say, oh, man, this would be great to incorporate into the Cosmere. It's not like he's going to go, oh, I, well, I didn't think about that 10 years ago, so I can't do it now. Mm-hmm. So there's, right. I don't see any problem with uh, assuming that he would come across something like that and go, oh, that fits beautifully. Uh, I'm going to work that in somehow, and then we'll see it pop up later. Yeah, that'd be all about it. Yeah. Did you guys, uh, I just realized um, that shades are in the cognitive realm, which is called Shadesmar in, in, uh, Stormlight. Stormlight. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just realized that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all I have to say on that. Good what catch. else do we got? Uh, gunpowder. You I, have gunpowder? No. Oh, I, okay. I wish. No, but, uh, gunpowder is referenced several times in the book. And I thought, do you have guns? Why would you call it gunpowder? Ooh, oh, ooh, ooh. Why would it not be blasting I didn't powder? even think of that. Why would it not be, you know, explosive powder or gunpowder? I just, it, it's one of those things we, we've seen them in several books where. Well, they were, couldn't, they couldn't have guns. It's possible they had guns on the original continent maybe, that they were chased from. But maybe, on this new continent, any, anytime you start fire, it brings yeah. the shades on you. So guns are effectively. seems like they said they found out, out that using gunpowder attracted the shades more quickly than anything else except the shedding of blood. Right. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that is maybe that is it. And I can I can live with that. It, it struck me initially as one of those things where every once in a while Sanderson will use a, a reference that you go, uh, does that fit in right there? And, and maybe that was it for me, but that's a great explanation for it. And I mm-hmm. also thought, well, you know, gunpowder seems like a last resort kind of thing. Cause that yeah, was the it's, fastest I've ever thought in my life, by the way. Nice job. Yeah. Uh, gunpowder also is a, is a last resort kind of thing. Cause it, it does, it starts fires, which fire bad draws the shades, you know? So I like anyway. the, I, I like the reference, um, when it says uh, it's it's right after the the bomb has gone off or makeshift bomb, um, the IED. Yeah, her her trap worked better than she'd assumed. The burning rag had allowed the horse who triggered it to take a few steps before bl- the blast hit. No blood, just lots of surprised horses and confused people. <laughs> um, we we one of the th- one of the things that you learn when you're when you're working with gunpowder is that the the powder can burn, yes, but that's not what. That's not what hurts people. That's not what kills people. It's the, the projectiles that th- that it throws out that we typically associate with all of the damage that it does. It's the con- it, the only power that it has itself is the concussive force because of the explosion bo- going out. And so I, I I was glad, and I I seem to remember him saying someplace that he had to study some, or maybe I'm thinking about somebody else doing a lot of study about. Uh, firearms, how they work, why they work, what what works with them. It seems like it was part of the Wax and Wayne series that he was working with. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Could be, but uh, but I w- I was I'm I'm glad that Brandon is careful, and and I know a lot of authors are. I know many many authors are, but I'm glad that Brandon is so careful to be thoughtful about what really happens with these things. No one loses an arm uh, because they're around a blast of gunpowder. You lose an arm because you're trying to hold. The, the barrel, <laughs> the barrel, or the or the or contain the explosion, right. or it's hit with shrapnel that comes from it from later on. There's no shrapnel in this one because it was buried in a in a hole, uh, probably some splinters, but uh, surprised horses and confused people. I like it. It was wonderful. Yeah. It, it was a wonderful image for me, ah, and, and one that I could get behind and believe. It's fun stuff. Um, anybody else have points they want to bring up, or shall we wrap up, Ryan? It looks like you're looking up one more thing. Uh, I'm, I think we're okay. You sure? Yeah. All right. There was only one Cosmere thing that I that I thought was interesting, and it was in the uh, forward, where who was it? Chris is that his name? That's writing these yeah prologues. Yeah, short to Chris. Um, he uh, mentions she. that she mentions that there are no stable perpendicularities to get to Threnody, and I thought, is that how world hopping works is there perpen- they're perpendicular, the perpendicular to each other? The, no 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 the, there's the tr- the travel way is called the perpendicular okay um it's only ref- the only time it's ever other the only time it is referenced otherwise i believe is in a discussion between in the discussion between um 
Yasna and the Spren in the little bit that he's released ahead of Oathbringer. Um, it's what happened to her after. Hmm. Uh, oh, which okay. spoiler like spoiler alert anyway, but yeah, yeah I, I'll I'll label heartily. I haven't um, read that yet. I'm but she she talks about how she can't get back to the perpendicular, like the, whatever it's, it's just it's a another name for the transport method, which okay. we know most of the entry points for the perpendicular, at least I believe, are the shard pools that we have yeah. found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to find a shard pool to get to the perpendicular to be able to zip around to the different worlds. There you go. Right on. Um, no hoid in this one, as far as I could tell. Uh, there's some disagreement in the uh, in the Coppermine wiki. Brandon has said that Hoyt doesn't make an appearance, and then his assistant Peter Alstrom has apparently stated that he thinks Hoyt does. Um, so there's some disagreement there, but I didn't catch him anywhere. I, I I catch the spot that he might be referring to. It's the it's it's the gentleman that sits in the back that they make reference to, right? And then they never talk about him again. He doesn't do anything. But he's just there. Just there. If he doesn't interact yeah. with the world or do something, I don't think it should count. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in a chair at the back of the room doesn't count. <laughs> right. So for all intents and purposes, Stealing there's the moon no... Stealing the counts. <laughs> <laughs> Duly noted. All right, that's, a, that's a good rule. All right. On that note, uh, let's go ahead and call it. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. I love that we're continuing with the Brandon Sanderson stuff. And, uh, and I'm frankly really glad that we're taking it as slow as we are we could have done a cosmere story out of arcanum unbounded every single week until it was exhausted but when it's gone it's gone and we have to wait for the next story uh so i'm glad we're doing it the way we are agreed Uh, i hope that uh, people listening enjoy coming back to the cosmere with us every once in a while uh instead of constantly so uh i will go ahead and share this episode on the, uh, the Brandon Sanderson subreddit and invite some conversation there. So if you're hearing it some other way, hop onto Reddit, go to uh, the Brandon Sanderson subreddit and find the thread there and we'll we'll have a little chat. I think we mentioned a few things that people will want to yell at us about, theories that uh, that people can share. I love hearing that stuff. Fool of a took. <laughs> what? That's what they're going to call us. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. But, and also any of the stories that we haven't covered yet, um, Edge Dancer. Oh, yeah. Uh, any of those other ones, if you have things that you would like us to discuss that are uh, try and avoid spoilers, but if there are specific things that you can cue us into, we, we read those things and take it into consideration when we talk about it. So. Yeah, we really do. The best way, especially with something, uh, because you now, if you follow along with the podcast, you know everything that I've read. And now there's a few things like Edge Dancer and Sixth of Dusk that I have not read. Uh, but I do most of the um, responding, you know, Reddit, private messages, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. Not all of it, though. So if the if you do want us to talk about a specific thing, the best way to do it is to send a private message to the Legendarium Podcast Facebook page and label it right up top. Label it, Ryan, please read this before Craig does, or <laughs> spoiler alert spoiler for Edge alert, Dancer, exactly. or something like that, and then I will leave it alone, and I'll make sure that Ryan is the one that responds to you, and, and we'll talk to that, uh, talk about that stuff, but we would love to hear it all. So, uh, all right, patreon.com slash legendarium, please support the show, and other than that, I think we're good. Ken, Todd, Ryan, good? All right, see you next week for Wheel of Time book three discussion number two okay bye guys